This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Malaysia's diverse climate and geography form ideal habitats for Nepenthes, which are better known here perhaps as Periocura. So these carnivorous uh, pitcher plants, which lures unsuspecting prey with its nectar, has evolved to thrive in nutrient-poor soils and is a sought-after plant by collectors. But this and other human activities, ranging from habitat destruction to poaching to even the illicit trade of pitcher plants, drives the Nepenthes to the brink of endangerment. So the Nepenthes are the focus of two new articles by online journalism portal Makaranga. And today on the show, I'm going to speak to contributing writers Ashley Yong and Brian Yong, and also editor Wong Siu Lin. They're going to discuss, uh, we're going to find out more about Nepenthes actually, and we're also going to discuss how Malaysia is trying to protect our very own pitcher plants from extinction. Welcome everyone. How are you today? Fine, thank you. Hello. Nice to be back. Nice to have you back on the show, both of you, uh, Ashley and Sulin, and welcome to the show, Brian. So yes, Nepenthes, um, yeah, the focus of two articles this month are very, very interesting. I've learned so much uh, from reading both of them and uh, very helpful with the visuals as well. Uh, but can you share why this was the focus uh, of, of both the articles? Yeah, we wanted to sort of cover wildlife trade. Uh, and we've actually got a series of articles coming up. So that's kind of a new sort of focus area for Makaranga. And uh, the two articles are basically one to just explain to people, maybe give an ecological basis or understanding of, of this one particular plant that we're starting the series off with. Uh, and that's pitcher plants. Uh, they're known as tropical pitcher plants. Uh, in Basa Malaysia, it's of course Periokura. Uh, and the scientific name is Nepenthes. Uh, so with that, we also have uh, the, the issue, we decided to delve into one of the issues related to the conservation of Nepenthes, and that is the mass propagation of pitcher plants as a strategy uh, to conserve uh, plants in the wild. Okay, all right. So, so those were, that was the reason why you wanted to do it. And I think, you know, for anyone who's unfamiliar uh, with, you know, the species, maybe Ashley, you can take this one. Could you provide, I guess, a simple explanation of what Nepenthes is? You know, what is it that makes it so un- uh, unique among other plants? Uh, so, yeah, like Julia said, Nepenthes are better known in Malaysia as Perukura or sometimes even monkey cup. Uh, so they are these plants that have uh, hanging, tubular, pitcher-shaped structures, and that's how you can tell it's a tropical pitcher plant. There are other pitcher plants out there. Some uh, They're called the Saracenia. That's usually found in North America and South America. But in Malaysia, we have the tropical pitcher plant, which is the Nepenthes. And what makes them truly unique is how they've kind of carved out uh, a niche and how, how they survive and get their nutrients. So they're carnivorous plants. So instead of getting their nutrients and phosphorus from the ground up, they get it by luring their prey, trapping them with the pitchers, and then digesting them. So this meat-eating habit is why they can really thrive in very poor soils. And actually the name Nepenthes comes from the Greek words ne, meaning not, and pentos meaning sorrow or grief. So the word Nepenthes means no sorrow or without some. So the way I interpreted it when I learned about the meaning was that it really adds to the villainous vibe that they give out. You know, they <laughs> lure, trap, and digest without sorrow, without guilt. And, you know, that for lack of a better word, it sounds really badass, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite the gangsters of the flora world, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, what so is kind that? Of a seduction, Sorry? a seductive kind of plan. Luring, right? We always use that word, isn't it? They lure their prey in, uh, unsuspecting prey. And so, yeah, that's quite quite seductive, actually. Um, and in which habitats would you say uh, Nepenthes typically grow and thrive, and, and particularly here in Malaysia? 
the tropical pitcher plant is native to only a few parts of the world, so usually focused in parts of Southeast Asia, like Philippines, Indonesia, and then going to India and some parts of uh, some parts of Africa, like Madagascar, Seychelles, and, and then Australia. But in Malaysia, the conditions are really ideal since we have very lush tropical landscapes. We have forests in high altitudes, mossy forests, lowland areas, high humidity, and a lot of rainfall. So they, they're actually found in a lot of places, like scattered around the country. And in peninsular Malaysia, we have 18 species. And among that, 11 of them are endemic, meaning that they are only found here in peninsular Malaysia. Uh, they usually thrive in humid, nutrient-deficient environments like mm -hmm. swamps, tropical rainforests, or sometimes even by the road. I've never seen them by the road, but apparently it's there. Maybe you have to look hard enough. And uh, not forgetting the Malaysian Borneo, they have one of the biggest Nepenthes species there, the, the, the Nepenthes raja, which grows on Mount Kinabalu, and their pitches can even digest small mammals and hold up to three liters of liquid. It's crazy. Wow, like little rats, right? I was reading, like things like yeah. that, yeah. Gosh, okay. Um, and and I suppose, I mean, obviously they play an important role in the ecosystem as well, right? Could you explain, you know, the, the role or the importance that they play, especially, I guess, in maintaining ecological balance, I suppose? In a way, they are kind of like nature's pest control. They catch and eat insects, but they can't eat too many because it would alter their acidity in the picture. But uh, if, yeah, they're, they're nature's pest control, so it helps keep the insect population in check. And this not only benefits the plant because they get their nutrients from there, but it also maintains a balance uh, in the other ecosystem. So it doesn't affect how other plants get their nutrients. Mm. Um, the fluid inside the pictures is actually like a, like a whole, I think in my article, I described them as like an apartment with different units. So inside the pitchers, there's a microenvironment which supports the bacteria growth and other microorganisms. Microorganisms, I'll say that again. Okay. And uh, these microorganisms play a role in breaking down organic matter and then contributing to the nutrient cycling within the ecosystem as well. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I just wanted to add that I, I found it fascinating reading uh, Ashley's findings that each on one plant, each picture actually could play host to different insects and different organisms. I think that's just absolutely uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And and um, yeah, we, uh, that uh, that article again that Ashley wrote, uh, it's just called The World of uh, Nepenthes and uh, you've got beautiful pictures there, you've got explanations, so I highly recommend everyone uh, go go and check it out. It's really, really very informative. So, I mean, Ashley explained, you know, why, so, you know, you explained it's pretty much a fantastic plant, right? And that, of course, you know, I guess uh, contributes to the appeal to collectors, right? So, but uh, maybe Brian, you want to take this? Why are these carnivorous plants like Nepenthes so highly sought after by enthusiasts? Well, if you look at a typical garden, you see all kinds of beautiful plants, let's say orchids. So these are the plants that people tend to collect because they are beautiful aesthetically and they're very hard to find. Well, Nepenthes are similar to orchids. They, have, they are the centerpiece of your garden. They have a beautiful picture. And what, what makes it apart, what sets it apart is that it flowers the whole year. The picture is there the entire year compared to orchids that just bloom at least once a year and then they die off. Mm. So that kind of appeal really attracts collectors who want to uh, see a beautiful plant in their garden. And 
what's more interesting is that collectors, they're like Pokemon trainers. They want to collect them all. So mm-hmm. Nepenthes as a already rare species really entices people to try and gather all the species that are out there. And that is what drives uh, this demand. Okay. And and how does this, you know, um, love for it and, you know, this real want for it um, lead to what we know is happening, right? Some rampant poaching that's happening globally. Uh, and maybe what are some of the other possible th- uh, potential threats to Nepenthes uh, populations? Okay. Okay. So the biggest threat to Nepenthes would be poaching uh, based on research. It would be poaching and then followed by habitat loss because of uh, habitat destruction. But let's talk about poaching. So when people demand this rare plant so much so that they cannot find it in markets, they would lead to wild sources being uh, looked at and then collected. So that becomes a gray area that people would uh, bypass any of commercially available plants and then go straight to the jungle to collect them mm-hmm. legally. Yeah, I, I think that's also uh, this the particularly vulnerable are newly discovered species. Uh, to just add on to what Brian said, it's like, you know, I'm a collector and therefore I want the latest new thing to add to my collection. Mm-hmm. And therefore, every time a new species is discovered or published or word gets out, I want to add on to that, you know, and, and then this becomes a real problem. Okay, all right. Maybe I can add on. So when you see these new species come up every now and often, Commercial growers can't grow them fast enough. And if they can't grow it fast enough, it's not at a market. And where can you find it? In the wild. So, okay. So that, of course, will uh, will just fuel the the illegal uh, trade of it and poaching and things like that, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's just go for a quick break. Guys, when we come back, uh, I want to talk about some of the uh, efforts that are in place to actually conserve and protect them. Let's find out more about that after this. I'm speaking today to Ashley Yong and Brian Yong. They are both contributing writers with Makaranga and Wong Siu Lin. She's the editor of Makaranga. We're talking about uh, Nepenthes today. So, and it's about uh, how how Malaysia and others are trying to save pitcher plants because, you know, they're really, really cool, basically, right? Gangsters of the uh, flora world is how we're calling them today. Uh, And, uh, you know, highly sought after by collectors, but that's also leading, as, you know, the folks said, to illegal poaching and uh, to the illicit trade of them. So we'll continue our discussion on this after this quick break. Keep it here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. On the line with me today are Ashley Yong and Brian Yong. They're contributing writers with environmental journalism portal Makaranga and Wong Siu Lin, the editor of Makaranga. Uh, together, they re- recently released uh, two articles actually on Nepenthes. So one is titled The World of Nepenthes and the other is Mass Producing to Save Pitcher Plants, a Tricky Business. So as those uh, titles allude to, we are talking about how the appeal of Nepenthes and other human activities, you know, ranging from habitat destruction, poaching, or all of this is fueling an illicit trade of pitcher plants and it's driving them to the brink of endangerment. So we're discussing this and more on the show today. So, uh, you know, before the break, we spoke about, you know, why they're so cool and uh, why people really, really want them. And, you know, just going to the article that uh, Brian and Sulin that you guys collaborated on, right? You discuss the discovery and subsequent sale of a newly discovered species of pitcher plant, right? Uh, the Nepenthes berbulu, and that was in right here in Malaysia. And, uh, you know, in the article, you talk about how the plant was first made public 
public in a scientific publication uh, just four months before a Facebook post actually advertised its sale. And that, of course, raised questions about the protection of such species, right, under the global trade agreements like CITES. Can you tell us a little bit more about that story uh, and what you've described in the article? Yeah, maybe I can take this on. Sure, Brian, yeah. If you see this kind of post about a new species that just that was just published and it's already being allegedly sold on Facebook, for example, it tells you how much demand there is in the collector's market for these rare and new species. And the whole saga of this issue begins with uh, an expedition to discover the species. And to summarize, the outcome is the pictures from the expedition, they showed up in the post. So a lot of the questions were raised by us, uh, whether the pictures are either uh, somewhat mistakenly taken or given by one of the expedition team, Mm. or are the seeds or the plants really have been poached by uh, the poachers following this expedition? And maybe, I don't know, yeah, could you just, sorry, give a brief explanation about this this particular uh, expedition, just to paint a picture for our listeners as well, who might not have uh, read the article. Yeah, okay. basically, uh, I'll just uh, put this in the context of what happened. Uh, uh, so we started off the story with what we thought was a very interesting news angle, which is basically the discovery of, of this newly discovered plant, which is the, uh, well, let's, let's say it's newly described because it's actually been known for about two years already. Okay. It had appeared, uh, it's called the Nepenthes Barbulu, and he had appeared actually in uh, Facebook posts and social media posts by visitors to these very specific sites. It's only found in five uh, mountaintops at the moment in Peninsular Malaysia. So it appeared and then uh, got the attraction, uh, it got the attention of researchers. And so researchers had been going and trying to collect, uh, to make sure that this really was uh, to take a look at the plant and make sure that it actually was unique and uh, worth sort of describing. Uh, what researchers do also is they collect uh, specimens specifically for research purposes, mm-hmm. for scientific discovery, uh, in order to name it scientifically and, and you know just make sure that it is it a new species, is it not a new species. This can be very content- contentious and mm-hmm. taxonomists might, they disagree with each other all the time whether a species is new or not. And it's actually true of, you know, um, the panthers as well, all the time. So um, then then uh, what happened was uh, Brian, when he uh, interviewed the researcher, one of the, the two of the researchers who went and described the species, um, uh, this is what he found. Uh, Brian? Yeah. So when I interviewed these two researchers who was part of the expedition to document Nepenthes berbulu, uh, they came back with their samples, they came back with uh, evidence, and then they published a paper. But then quickly following after that, uh, a Facebook post appeared. And that Facebook post had pictures from the expedition, which uh, the whole team decided that they should not reveal it to everyone. So this raises a huge question. So who gave the photos? And if what the Facebook post claims is real, is the seeds being poached? Okay, all right. So, and we don't quite have the answers to that either, right? I mean, yeah, that's so that's that's uh, very worrying, isn't it? Uh, what has come out from all of this? Okay, all right. And I guess, you know, in terms of protection, right, what sort of efforts are being made to conserve and protect the Nepenthes, right? And in the article, of course, you mentioned one effort, which is to list some species under CITES, uh, something that has been ongoing, but not without its challenges. Uh, could you elaborate on that for us? Right. So CITES 
essentially is a gatekeeper for species from being traded, mm. uh, Convention on the International Trade of Endangered Species. And what Nepenthes stands in CITES is that all of the species are protected under CITES Appendix 2. So for you, for your knowledge, uh, Appendix 2 means trade is allowed, but only under regulated circumstances. And for example, they must be artificially propagated. Mm. Okay, yeah. all right. And what, what that does is if a new species shows up in the catalog, and if the people from the CITES board decide to protect it under uh, their lists, that species would essentially be protected from trade. But that's on paper, and we don't know what's going to happen on the ground. And usually, these CITES uh, assessments take way too long, uh, years I'm talking about, before they can be enforced. And by the time that happens, maybe the poachers already got their hand to it. Okay, okay. So so there are some weaknesses then, right, in the CITES sort of regulations, I mean, particularly regarding, I suppose, the listing of new species, right? Uh, as you mentioned, because it can take years. Then could you also discuss the challenges that are associated with documenting and protecting newly discovered Nepenthes species? Suleen, you want to take this? Yeah, sure. When we came to the, uh, to, to the, the question of covering Nepenthes trade, uh, we actually wanted to see whether there were trends in terms of uh, the number of Nepenthes that were being traded legally. Um, and that's, how, that's why we went to the CITES database and started looking at that. Um, however, uh, we actually need baseline data in terms of how many Nepenthes are there of specific species, right? And so that means that population, we, we thought we could get hold of population studies, which actually showed, for example, this um, one of the most uh, common or uh, most popular, they call it the king of the Nepenthes, which is the Nepenthes Raja that uh, Ashley mentioned uh, at, the, at the top of this interview, uh, which is the largest uh, Nepenthes in, in the world, and it's found in our own country in Sabah. Yeah. And, and basically, what you need is to have a baseline, which is like actually how many plants are there in existence compared to uh, how many, you know, in the past compared to how many there are now. And it could show that whether trading has actually decimated or the impact of trading on these uh, plants in the wild. However, no such population studies have been done. And we couldn't get hold of uh, any kind of raw data in terms of, you know, like how, how many, for example, Nepenthes Raja are there. Uh, it was very difficult to get hold of that. And the reason for that is because population studies are not done. Mm -hmm. It's it's just too difficult. It really is just too difficult. So um, that's why they go the trade route. Uh, you know, basically they know that this there's a, a big demand for it. Okay. And, and really it's by sight. So, you know, just talking to, and uh, I'm sure Brian has also his own, um, you know, speaking to the, 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 the sort of scientists who have been researching this as well. Um, basically, somebody goes up to a mountaintop and then in the past there used to be loads of it. In, even what we hear is in Kinabalu, they would be hanging off the trees as you walk along the trail. And now they are so rare that, you know, guides would take you to come a tourist to like come, we'll take it to a secret place because oh. they don't really want it to be known, okay. that, you know, that the Nepenthes are there because so many of them have actually disappeared, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's one of the things they do. And 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 basically going back, researchers have to go back again to the original site uh, to see, okay, in the past they used to be everywhere and then now maybe we can find it only in two or three different patches. So actually studying um, 
uh, this this kind of thing. And and all this information I got from uh, uh, one of Malaysia's best known taxonomists, and it's Ruth Q, sort of explaining that this is actually um, how 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 they actually try and calculate or to try and decide how you know like in terms of populations, um, you know, for plants. You know it, how 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 do you decide this this kind of thing? And uh, as journalists, it makes it very difficult for yeah. us to sort of um, get get an idea of how to tell this kind of story. You know, it was really a, a big challenge for us. Okay, okay, and and in in the article also you discussed the role of and this I found very interesting the nurse uh, role of nurseries right in propagating Nepenthes species uh, and also but also then the challenges of ensuring the legal provenance of cultivated plants. You want to tell our listeners more about that, Brian? Okay. Yeah, so the entire premise of having a nursery for Nepenthes is to artificially propagate them. That means taking plants from the wild, samples from the wild, and then growing them in uh, artificial conditions, breeding them by the thousands so that they can be used commercially or they can be used for conservation purposes. Well, for the context of a nursery, uh, people grow Nepenthes to sell them. and. What this does is if you have a lot of Nepenthes in your stock and people buy it from artificially propagated sources, they are essentially not taking plants from the wild. Yeah, that would be the premise of it. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. the idea is cultivate like tons. Let's just produce tons yeah. so that people don't actually go into the wild. But as uh, Brian, I think, earlier said as well, uh, it's, it's very tricky because it takes too long, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and to propagate them in the masses that are needed to, to satisfy demand, whereas the demand is insatiable and they always want the next new thing. And, and these Facebook posts and, you know, I mean, online trading is, is actually a, a very big issue. Um, I'm actually interested in what um, Ashley has to say in terms of uh, visiting a... Well, you didn't visit a nursery, but you went into a cold room, right? You, you actually looked at... Um, uh, Ashley, can you share your, your, your experience in terms of looking at, uh, at these propagated plants? Yeah. So we, me and Brian, we went to the cold room in Sunway. A cold room is basically like a... How, how would you describe it, Brian? A cold room? Well, a cold room is a room that is uh, air-conditioned to specific temperatures that suit Nepenthes in their natural habitat. So a lot of Nepenthes come from highland areas, Mm. like Cameron Highlands, Genting Highlands, Kinabalu, very cold areas. And essentially, if you want to grow it in lowland areas like hot Kuala Lumpur, for example, you need to maintain the temperatures. Sure. So it's a temperature control sort of place. Like, Is it like in a container, like a container farming type Uh, thing? No. Was a room, it's you said. kind of. I think it was a container, if I don't, if I remember correctly. And over there, they just had these trays of like Nepenthe seedlings, and they even showed us the like. I didn't know what I was looking at because it was so tiny, but apparently, it's like a really a newborn Nepenthe species, and they're almost they're okay. They're larger than an ant, but okay. smaller than a bee. You know, Gosh. that kind of size. Okay. And that took a really long time to even grow. So in the wild, to have a full-grown Nepenthe species and to dig it out, you know, you're really digging out years of growth from the Nepenthes. It doesn't take, uh, it's not that easy for them to grow. It requires a lot of uh, different circumstances, like the the light and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, to see them growing these little plants in this container, in this cold room, and their goal was to, you know, propagate more of these plants and then so it will curb poaching and de-incentivize people from actually digging them up from the wild. 
Okay. I think that's one of the things that, you know, people think, oh, you know, it's it's so lovely to own this, you know, and yet the conditions have to be right in order. So you buy a highland species, you actually need to give it highland conditions in order to look after it. And I think, Brian, one of the things you find out from one of your uh, sort of suppliers or propagators of uh, Nepenthes is like something like, is it like 60% or, or more than that of, of Nepenthes that are bought actually die or even higher? Well, uh, I've spoken with uh, nursery owners that sell these Nepenthes and Nine out of ten people that try to buy Nepenthes, they don't know what they're dealing with. Mm. Uh, usually they're amateurs. They're just interested in, oh, this plant is very cool. Let's bring it back and see. It's very hard to take care of a Nepenthes. So let's say if you try to move it one one inch away from its original spot, it might die because mm. there are very sensitive little glass castles that have to take the right amount of sunlight, right amount of water, and they're not easy to grow. It takes a lot of effort and money to actually have the right equipment to take care of them. Okay, okay. So I, I remember reading in, uh, what was it, Ashley's, uh, I think it was Ashley's article, uh, you quoted um, this uh, Australian botanist, right, Alan Lowry, the strategy to make them as common as muck, right? Uh, just just they're everywhere, so they're not so unique. And But that's not working either, lah, is pretty much what we're hearing as well. Well, I, I wouldn't say that it's not working. I think I think it is very effective. So uh, Brian dug up this this information about Nepenthes Raja, which is actually where it all the the sort of CITES trade uh, regulations started kicking in, and it's because it was discovered in the nineteenth century by okay. a colonial, and 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 basically uh, it, it began to be traded so much that then this idea popped up that you know we have to protect it, so we have to. Uh, impose CITES regulations on it. However, uh, what about trying to mass pro- propagate it so you make it as common as mark so that uh, you know the amount of effort that's needed to climb the mountain, to go and look for these plants, uh, have enough of them to harvest and bring them down again. It just costs money, it costs effort, you know, whereas if it's tissue culture and like thousands can be produced in one go, uh, then the idea really is, uh, and, and it's really cheap. So mm-hmm. then everybody can own a Nepenthes, you know, kind of thing. That's the that's the idea beh- behind it. And actually, it really worked with Nepenthes Raja in terms of uh, the numbers did go down. However, there were other issues in terms of the uh, the trade uh, because what people did was even though they banned trade on Nepenthes Raja, if you snip off the pictures, you can't tell it apart from any other Nepenthes. Uh-huh. So then again, Malaysia. So Malaysia has been at the forefront of this kind of like looking at trade regulations. So what they did then was to say, let's just... Gazette all, let's just, not Gazette, but let's just put all Nepenthes species all over the world uh, under CITES regulations as well. You know, mm-hmm. just protect the whole lot of them because you can't tell one from apart, uh, one apart from the other. Plus, the threats are so huge in terms of not just poaching, but as uh, Brian mentioned, habitat, uh, habitat degradation as well. And there's climate change, you know, there's, there's all these other threats as well. Yeah, so, well, you can see that Malaysia actually leads a lot of the conservation efforts for Nepenthes. And... When the time they uh, applied for the CITES regulation, that was in 1986. So that was at least decades ago. But Nepenthes is still being threatened today. A lot of that issue comes from the very gray area of collecting these plants for artificial propagation in the first place. Mm -hmm. So uh, you need, if someone goes into the forest, they collect the samples. And then they bring it back to propagate. All of these processes needs to be regulated by the government. Like you need permits, you need collection permits, you need plant permits of that sort. And if you don't have them, it becomes very difficult to track your sources. And that also leads to another point. Maybe we can discuss later. Another point that 
we have illegal poaching where people just take samples from the jungle and leave the country's borders because they are so hard to detect and permits are very far and few in between. Okay, so so that is an issue, la, loose border controls as well, that's contributing to the legal trade of Nepenthe species in Malaysia, you'd say? Yes, internationally and in, in terms of uh, locally. If people say, claim that they have Nepenthes, uh, rare species of Nepenthes, and they don't have a way to prove that these species come from uh, a trusted source, a legal source, then it's very hard to... Uh, to support their claims that they done so uh, responsibly. Maybe they took these species from the wild. And these are questions that we cannot answer unless they have uh, legal papers to do so. Okay. Okay. Well, another point I want to point out is 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 that this this is international trade of Nepenthes, but there in international Malaysia there's no laws against uh poaching, you know, yeah. poaching plants or trading plants locally, you know. Uh, so it really is up to uh, agencies like the Forestry Department to ensure that they take care who goes in and what's being brought out. You know, if it's for research purposes, if it's for ecotourism, like, you know, I think that's one of the things that does calls for more oversight by conservationists of uh, maybe different agencies' roles in ensuring better protection for our plants. Okay. And and would you say that there are some efforts being made to improve these sorts of things, you know, enforcement, oversight in the trade uh, of conservation of Nepenthe species? Uh, what, what sort of efforts uh, are, are in place? Yeah, for one, uh, we've actually spoken to uh, MARDI, Malaysian Agricultural Research and Development Institute. So what they've done is a fantastic job alongside freelance researchers, uh, researchers that discovered the Nepenthes burbulu, for example, to uh, essentially make an inventory of all the species in Peninsula Malaysia, mm. at the very least. So that's a very good start to define a baseline of how many species are out there, how many uh, plants, individual plants are out there still. And that's a first step to understand how threatened these species actually are before we can do something to protect them. Okay. Okay, so there's a missing link there as well, right? And and Ashley, would you say there are some measures that are that can be taken to discourage collectors? You know, they they are kind of the root of the problem here, also, right? From preferring uh, wild collected plants over the propagated ones. Um, I think that's kind of hard because the demand is fueled by the desire to own something rare and extraordinary, right? And mm. for like newly discovered plants. Uh, like we mentioned before, it's hard to propagate them so early on when they're being newly discovered. And when something is rare, it becomes valuable. And then that attracts collectors who are willing to pay a lot of money for these plants. And then the poachers also, they get a benefit from that because they one plant can have so many pictures and so many seeds that they can sell. Okay. And it's kind of like... Shoe collectors collect rare shoes and then plant collectors collect rare plants. I don't think that people would, the people who really want to collect a new species, I don't know exactly if there's a way that they would, you know, deter from that and then uh, go for the more common species because they might not know the consequences of buying rare plants. You know, it can be just like a lack of awareness thing that can, about how it can harm the environment and survival of these species. 
Okay, well, that's why articles like the ones that you guys wrote are so important, right? Uh, hopefully it gets to the right people, of course. Um, I guess, you know, we've been discussing sorts of obstacles, but any other things that you'd like to mention, you know, uh, other obstacles uh, to effectively managing and conserving the panthe species and the habitats, you know, what would you say some of those are, if you just want to summarize that for me? Well, I, I, maybe I can start. Uh, one of the things I did read is one of the researchers of Nepenthes who came up with, he, he kind of did an evaluation of Nepenthes world over and the threats to them, basically even said something like, look, you know, if you're a researcher, like, and you found a, discovered a new species, don't get the word out. Don't <laughs> splash it all over the place. I mean, it's, it's come to that. It's almost like maybe we should just be really careful in terms of getting the word out. Mm. Uh at the same time, uh, you know, other researchers might say, no, you should really get the word out so everybody knows about it. And then if something happens or it pops up on social media, then, you know, know. then the alert can be raised, you know. So it's, it's, it's complicated, the, the sorts of approaches that could be taken. And and then just going back to that that Facebook post, right? I mean, that is that is quite. I mean, that says a lot about what's going on, right? I mean, that was an expedition, and then you know how uh, we're not quite sure, you know, how that uh, made it to Facebook, right? And and it's still on Facebook, am I correct? That post it's still being uh, sold, right? I mean, what are the implications uh, of that? You know, despite all these concerns that have been raised about it. Well, for one, uh, demand is still there, and it's not something that conservationists are tackling at the moment, especially, well, at least in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. What Malaysia has been trying to do is to stop uh, plants from being taken out of their natural habitats, namely through regulation, border checks, uh, immigration control, etc. But there's still a lot of work to be done to uh, raise awareness on how not to fall for these wild species of the panties. And maybe just go for something more uh, environmentally friendly, like uh, artificially propagated plants. So I want to bring back to another point, another advantage perhaps of artificial propagation is that when you manually breed certain plants, you can make hybrids. So Nepenthes is amazing at becoming a hybrid. Hybrid essentially is a marriage between two species, species A plus species B equals species AB. So in a lot of the times, hybrids can be much more beautiful than wild species in terms of their color, aesthetics, their size. So it's just like breeding any other plants, even crops maybe. If you can breed a very desirable hybrid of independence that outshines even wild species, maybe that can stop uh, demand from from these collectors to ask for wild collected species. But that works for, a big caveat here is that it works for most of the collectors who are just amateurs looking for a beautiful house plant. Everyone loves house, house plants, I guess. But then there's still this small, uh, minute portion of the demography that is really interested into collecting, like, to almost an extent of trophy hunting, wild collected species, they want the purest form in the wild. And this, I would say this uh, unhealthy logic is really the main and biggest driver of the demand of the the endangerment of the Nepenthe species. Okay. I guess, you know, um, we're just, just running out of time, guys. But as, as far as you're concerned, right, what would you say are some of the most urgent priorities uh, for conserving the species, especially here in Malaysia? Uh, Sulin, you want to go first? 
Well, I think I've I've kind of answered the question uh, in 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 you know my earlier comments in terms of just just better oversight mm-hmm. of everything from research permits to entry into forests to what is being taken out of forests, who is going in, like you know research purposes and stuff. I don't know if it's possible. Brian mentioned something about the making sure you know that the nursery planters are ethical as well. Like, how do you make sure of that if they are a commercial person? Um, you know, do you, who checks? Who checks the paperwork if they say this this was actually legally obtained? Uh, you know, who checks the, the permits? Is there someone doing that? You know, how many nursery uh, producers are there? What about the, the maybe loads and loads of um, hobbyists who are doing it? By the way, the market, the biggest market for this is actually not local. It's actually international. Mm. It's the West and it's Japan. That's where the market is and you know the wonderful way the ringgit is performing uh you can earn a lot more by selling to uh all these people nowadays you know kind of thing so sorry a note of cynicism there okay all right and uh, anything you'd like to add ashley i think in terms of local buyers one thing people can probably do is attend some workshops on how to keep the plant alive it's nine <laughs> out of ten dying it's quite a huge number you're yeah. wasting money the plant dies for nothing just you know, learn how to take care of it better, maybe. If you're going to buy it anyway, at least keep it alive. <laughs> okay, all right. And I guess uh, just one last thing, you know, I couldn't cover everything that you've you've spoken about in the articles, right? But if there's one point that you really, really want the listeners to know about that I haven't, that we haven't already covered, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to, you know, just, just put out there for, for folks who are listening? Maybe I can start with one. Sure. So if you are buying the panties, just know that the plants that you buy may be endangered. So be careful and learn more about it before you actually pay the money. I just want to make a comment about online trade as well. And we, we are going to actually be covering online trade of wildlife uh, in an upcoming, an, another two articles that are coming up. You know, it's like, um, should platforms be more responsible? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Ashley, anything you want to, to just kind of conclude with? Mm, I think like people should You know, just knowing the fact that we have all these wonderful nature in our backyard, then I feel like if we do know that we will feel like we more we have more at stake whenever we hear of I don't know, forest plantation projects development or degazettement of forests and know that in order to achieve those things you're also losing something in return. So, you know, knowing that and I hope our story helps, you know, guide people towards thinking about those kind of stuff more. And we can all play like a like a mini role in preserving our nature. Well, I do I do recommend everyone go and read those two articles at makaranga.org. So again, uh, it's called The World of Nepenthes and also the second article is Mass Producing to Save Pitcher Plants, A Tricky Business. So do head to makaranga.org to read those articles in full. Uh, Siulid, is there a webinar happening uh, on this? On the yeah, th- thanks very much. You're always so great at helping us promote our webinar. So, so tonight... Uh, Come and join us. Come and ask questions. Uh, Brian and Ashley and myself will be there again. We are going to go more into the journalism aspect of it, like you know how to cover such a messy, complicated, data-deficient uh, story as the wildlife trade of Nepenthes. Okay, and, and that's for Makaranga supporters or they can find out more, of course, at Makaranga, right? Yes, it's uh, Makaranga supporters getting free, but we, the, our webinars are open to everyone. Uh, it's only 10 ringgit and uh, go onto our socials and we've got our posts up and, and just register and, and just come and join us, please. 
Okay. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. I was speaking to Ashley Yong and Brian Yong, contributing writers for Makaranga and Wong Siu Lin, the editor of Makaranga. We were talking about, well, I guess a pitch to save pitcher plants, right? Uh, so, But if you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash earth. You can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.